0: The scripture reading today comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 1 through 10, so please feel free to turn in your Bibles to this passage or you can follow um, along with the screens behind me. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who was our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. So that no one would be unsettled by these trials, for you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain." But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Will you pray with me? Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may hear your word with joy. Amen.
1: Thank you, Jessica. Well, good morning. I'm uh, glad to see you with us today, whether you're here in person or whether you're worshiping with us uh, at home online with, by yourself or maybe with some family or friends. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and let us be glad in it. How do you find hope in the midst of trial? How do you keep your, your spirits lifted when you're going through a difficult thing, when everything's pressing down on you? And you can't seem to seem a way out. Well, today we're going to be looking at the words of a man who wrote these words uh, 2,000 years ago almost. And look for some answers to these questions. The man we're talking about, of course, is the Apostle Paul. And, and Paul, as we know, was a man who did not believe in Jesus and actually went to the extreme of persecuting people who believed in Jesus to the point of death. Until one day his life was turned upside down through a dramatic encounter with Jesus on a road to Damascus. And from that point on, he was he was all in. And because he believed in Jesus, his life was suddenly wonderful. No. His life was suddenly much much harder. He experienced opposition as he traveled from town to town telling others about Christ and how he could change their lives the things he used to value it didn't seem to matter so much to him anymore and the things that and people that he used to look down upon and despise he was suddenly passionate about those people knowing jesus he had an unnamed physical malady uh, it's called a, he calls it a thorn in the flesh we don't know exactly what it was but it was something that was really besetting and overwhelming maybe chronic pain and if you have chronic pain or know someone that you love who deals with the chronic pain you know how that can really just really hinder and hurt and affect a person's life. He was physically threatened and harassed just about everywhere he went, but yet he was able to say, I've learned the secret of being content. He said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How did he how did he remain so optimistic? How did he how did he have such hope? Well, as we work our way through this chapter, we're working our way through the, this first letter, actually, to Thessalonians uh, in a new sermon series. As we work our way through this, this letter was written to a small group of believers in Thessalonica, Greece. And, and, and he writes this letter to, 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 to speak to them about what to do and how to respond and what posture and attitude to have when they're going through trials. Verse 2. We sent Timothy, who was spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know, growing up on a farm, we had we had a lot of cattle and uh, cattle. They're not the sharpest tools in the cabinet, they're the smartest animals in the, an, in the animal kingdom. But but they do have some some uh, some intelligence about them, some natural intelligence that, that comes in handy during a storm during a storm during bad weather they they tend to huddle together tightly in a group side by side front to back their back ends facing the snow or the wind or or the rain or whatever's coming it keeps them warmer keeps them safer that's how they best ride out the storm Now, if they're out in a pasture and uh, there's a predator threatening maybe a calf or or some sick or old or wounded cow, uh, they do the same thing. They group together to protect the most vulnerable. Their instinct is to do this. This is how they're wired, and they know that they're not meant to do life alone. We see the same thing in much of the animal kingdom. People really were to be no different when difficult times come, when danger confronts us, we're not meant to do it alone. No man is an island, or no woman is an island until, unto themselves. God has designed us, especially when we're weak and when we suffer, when our faith is threatened, when we're tempted to give up on ourselves or give up on God, we're meant to do life together. That's why Paul sent Timothy to Thessalonica. Paul had heard that the believers there were having a difficult time. It was a new church. There was just a few of them, maybe 25 at most. They were in a city and a culture that was hostile to them and their beliefs. And they didn't have strong leadership. And the man who helped them come to Christ, Paul, is very concerned about them. He can't go to see them, so he sends Timothy, his young protege and friend, to go and, he says, to strengthen and encourage them in their faith. Why? He says, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. That's an interesting phrase. Unsettled by these trials. What's he talking about? Well, Paul knew firsthand the reality that once you become a Christian, sometimes most of the time your life is going to get harder, if not now, later on. There are going to be attacks from the enemy. There'll be Satan is going to use financial pressure or illness or insecurity or relationship issues or peer pressure or temptations or nagging doubt to drag you down. He wants he wants the believers to be insecure, always looking over their shoulders, wondering whether our lives are really right with God. Tough times hit, and the tendency can be, Paul knew, to blame God, to doubt God, and the end result is our faith is unsettled. It's not stable. It's vulnerable. Now, we know there are going to be ups and downs in life. And as a Christian, if we don't anticipate those down times, we're going to be disillusioned when they come. You know, I get irritated when I hear, you know, some sort of Christian personality, pastor, author, when they say something along these lines, just give your life to Jesus, come to Jesus, and everything is going to be magically better. That's not true. I mean, Paul is sick a lot of the time. He's in prison. Eventually, he's beheaded. Doesn't sound real good. Jesus was poor. Anyone who enters the Christian life with uh, unrealistic expectations is going to be disillusioned. Their faith is going to become unsettled, and at worst, they'll drop out. Jesus said, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus couldn't make it clear. Being a Christian does not exempt you from trials. You can still get cancer. You can still have a child born with severe mental or physical disabilities. Your parents can still get Parkinson's or, or MS. Your spouse can walk away. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. The same difficulties that fall on the world, Jesus said, Paul said, they're going to fall upon us too. In 1 Peter 4, verse 12, it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. You see, as Christ's followers, we should expect trials. We should not be surprised by them. We should not be thrown off by them. We should not give in to despair when they come. Paul writes to the Thessalonians as if trials are a given. He says, you know quite well, verse 3, second half, you know quite well that we were destined for them, for trials. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. Now, when you face a trial, you can respond in a couple different ways, several different ways. A couple of them are negative and a couple are more positive. So I encourage you to choose the more positive ways. You can respond irrationally. Blow the whole thing out of proportion. Just be overwhelmed and, and with fear or anxiety about the whole thing. Like a boy, group of Boy Scouts from the city. They were camping alongside the river. And um, the first night, the mosquitoes were fierce. They'd never seen anything like this before, so they took cover under their blankets. And one boy peered out and at that point saw a bunch of lightning bugs. He said, guys, we might as well give up. They're coming at us with torches. You can exaggerate the difficulty of a trial. You can, you can even think about running away and giving up, hoping that your life would end, like, like Elijah did. The Old Testament prophet Elijah he he was a part of a showdown, him against seven hundred prophets of Baal, and he's vindicated. God shows up, proves he is the one true God. Elijah is, is is it's it's a big day for him. But then later on, just that evening he runs away and hides because he's threatened by the king, and he basically says, God, I'm the only one left. Just just let my life be over. And God, paraphrasing, says You're exaggerating the problem. You're responding irrationally. There are 7,000 people in this nation who still follow me. Get up. Get going. Take heart. We can respond uh, to trials resentfully. When Job's wife underwent all her troubles along with Job, lost her children, lost some property, lost some animals, all these things, she told Job to curse God and die. Sounds like a wonderful spouse to have in a tough time. Some people get angry at God and become extremely bitter about life. If there really was a God in heaven, he wouldn't let my child do or become. He wouldn't let my spouse run away with somebody else. He wouldn't let me get whatever cancer Warren Wearsby says that realism is idealism that has been through the fire and got purified. Cynicism is idealism that has been through the fire and got burned. Now, whether you get burned or whether you get purified by the intensity of the heat of a trial, it's not determined by the heat of the trial or the type of trial. It's determined by the sensitivity and the responsiveness of your spirit. So positively, we can respond to trials with creativity. You know, don't you love to see people who have difficulties use them to their disadvantage? Uh, you know, maybe like, a, like you see maybe a comedian uh, who, who has an obvious, uh, like Jay Leno with a huge chin. He uses it to laugh at himself. He uses it for his advantage. Uh, Woody Stevens, a famous jockey who won Belmont five times. He was about 4'9", about 80, 85 pounds, used to get bullied. He became a famous jockey and a horse trainer. You you can just kind of fill in the blanks. You probably have known people who they have some sort of disadvantage or trial and they they, they kind of use it creatively for their benefit, for their strength, to to help others, uh, to inspire others. And as Christians, we, when we face trials, we are to be creative with them and we are to be faithful in our response. When Job, going back to Job again, when all these things had happened in his life, he said of God, even if God slays me, I will trust him. The faithful Christian admits, I don't know why God has permitted this to happen. I wish it hadn't happened. I, 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 I don't understand it. It, it. it hurts. It's painful. I don't know how it's going to work out. But I still believe that there is a God in heaven. I still believe he has a plan and a purpose for me. I still believe that he loves me. And even though I'm hanging on to my faith with only my fingernails, I'm still going to hold on. Fanny Crosby was, was born blind a famous hymn writer, instead of wallowing in self-pity, she held on to her faith and wrote hymns like To God Be the Glory or Blessed Assurance. And when she was old, somebody told her that if she had been born in that generation, an operation could have been done that would have restored her sight. Instead of being bitter, she said, I don't know that I would change anything. Do you know that the first thing I'm ever going to see is the face of Jesus? When I hear stories like that, it helps me believe that I can persevere through all sorts of things in life. And when I meet someone personally who's going through something awful and they still have faith, oh, that that strengthens my faith. And that's how God has designed us. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to strengthen each other, to be there for each other when it's tough. Verse 7. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. You see what's happening? Paul's cut off from his friends in Thessalonica. He's worried about them. He's got his own set of problems he's dealing with. And yet here's good reports that even despite all these things, all the odds against them, all the pressures, they're still being faithful. They're still trying to follow Jesus. And he's encouraged. And and they're encouraged by his words and by sending Timothy. It's sort of a mutual encouragement society. That's how it's supposed to work. Our faith gets stronger in the midst of trial and we can have hope because of mutual encouragement. You see, one way to think of it is we are what others need in the midst of trials and vice versa. A letter from Paul was good, but a personal visit from Timothy made it even better. We are what others need in trials, and vice versa. 26 years ago this month, Nancy and I were living in, in Chicago, or Chicago, in Canada. We were in Chicago before that. In Canada. it's about 300 miles north of the border, and uh, it was a really long, cold winter. Even the locals were complaining. There was a stretch of about six weeks with 40 degrees below zero. A couple of feet of snow on the ground, and at that time of year, that far north, uh, in the time zone we were in, uh, you'd have maybe six six and a half hours of sunlight. So not the most positive situation. In the midst of all that, our first child was was stillborn. And, and our world was just shattered. I mean, our dreams for our daughter ended when her heartbeat did. And, and we, we knew the medical reasons. We understood why it happened. The cord got wrapped around her neck. We knew it could happen. We just didn't think it was going to happen to us. Not that we thought we were special or should have been spared, but... It was tough. It was it was devastating. And the the thing that got us through it was, you know, the love and prayers of our loved ones. But they were thousands. They were over a thousand miles away. But it was the life group and the people from our church. They they were there for us and they helped us to keep our eyes on Jesus. And and our faith was was kept firm when it could have become very unstable, could have become unsettled. um, They helped our faith stay firm. There were scars. There were wounds but our faith was stronger because our brothers and sisters in Christ came alongside and were just what we needed at that time. Can you think of a tough time when somebody was just what you needed? When somebody's presence and their faith was just what you needed? That's not a rhetorical question. I want you to think about that. Think of a person or persons who were just what you needed during a trial. Maybe they helped you through the loss of a loved one. Maybe they walked with you as your marriage ended or when a child went down the wrong path or when you lost your job or or your business or when you fought cancer or disease or wrestled with depression or anxiety or when your faith could have been unsettled or racked wrecked or damaged can you picture that person God sent them to you that was ordained that person was just what you needed when you needed it i want to give you an action step uh, encourage that person by sharing with them how they've helped you to have hope and to keep faith during a trial uh, write them a note shoot them a text, give them a call, pay them a visit, and be specific. And they're going to be encouraged, and so will you. Verse 10. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, what does Paul mean? Interesting turn of phrase, supply what is lacking in your faith. Is he is he talking about more instruction, about theology, and what, what it means to follow Jesus? Is he, is he talking about how to interpret scripture? I'm sure he would have done those things if he was able to be with him in person. He does that in this letter to about certain topics. He does it in the second letter, Second Thessalonians as well. But I think there's more to it than that. I think there's more that he's getting to. I think he's getting at, at this dynamic of how we are encouraged by relationships with others who are following Jesus. We learn from each other's personalities and experiences and you know, and perspectives. In a sense, we, we have faith for each other. We fill in what is lacking. We help each other to believe, to not become discouraged, to have hope that God is still on the throne, that he has a plan and purpose, that he's at work, and that God loves us. I have a friend that I've known since college. We met the first day of college, in fact, and we were in each other's weddings. And we communicate just about weekly. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. Just about weekly. And, and we process all sorts of things. I mean, we're really vulnerable, really transparent, really honest about stuff. And and one of the things that we'll often say to each other, when one of, one of us is struggling, is we'll say, "I'll have faith for you." In other words, maybe I am or he is. We're having a hard time seeing. How is God at work in this situation? I, I know my head what to believe. I know the right theology. He's a pastor, too. How is this going to work out for good? I don't see how it's going to turn out the way I think. I, it may not happen this way. And, and we tell the other guy, God has got this. I, I know your, your faith about this issue is a little weak right now, a little unsettled, but I'm going to have faith for you. And in a strange, beautiful way, knowing that the other guy has faith for you and with you, It, it helps doesn't make the trial go away, of course, but it makes it bearable. It strengthens, it encourages, and you leave the conversations feeling lifted and feeling hopeful. And that's how God has designed us as the body of Christ. There are situations when you are exactly what somebody else needs and vice versa. So along with the action step from earlier, I want to end with this. How can you help supply what is lacking in somebody else's faith? I know that you know somebody, no more than one, I'm sure, who is going through a difficult situation and they're really wrestling with where God is in this. And their faith is kind of unsettled about this situation that they're facing, this trial. Think of a specific person reach out to them. Listen to them, empathize, pray with them and for them, encourage them, point them to Jesus and his promises, and let them know even though you're struggling to have faith about this issue, I'm going to have faith for you and with you. In the midst of trials, you see, we don't have to give up, and we don't have to get in, give in. We we can have hope. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the way that you have designed us, for a relationship with you and for a relationship with others. And we know that your, your, your intent, Lord, is that we be in relationships um, of mutual encouragement, of openness and transparency, um, Lord, of vulnerability, uh, and in relationships that really, Lord, Stand where we stand with each other and for each other. Father, we thank you that we can trust in you. And Lord, we thank you for the people that you give us who are just what we need when we need it. Uh, help us to be what others need as well. Uh, help us, Lord, to, to keep our eyes on you in the midst of trials to not be surprised by them, but to face them head-on, trusting you, and relying on those around us that you've given us for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.